0: Diplomatica, a journal of diplomacy and society. My interest in the cultural Cold War has been with me for a long time. I grew up in Reykjavik, Iceland in the 1980s, and the Cold War was very much a part of the everyday life there. Iceland, of course, situated quite strategically during the Cold War, right in between Moscow and Washington, But especially the U.S. military presence was always a bone of contention, and as a kid I remember discussions of the Russians as a potential threat. When I started studying history at the University of Iceland in the mid-1990s, I was drawn to the subject of the cultural Cold War in Iceland, and soon realized that we knew much less about Soviet efforts than we did about the American side. So ever since, I have been driven by an ambition to try to understand the Cultural Cold War from the Soviet side. There are quite a few marvelous books that discuss the American side, but only a handful of studies that actually take advantage of Russian archives and analyze Soviet goals and methods in the Cultural Cold War. Inspired by some of the most interesting developments in Soviet history in the 1990s and early 2000s, I then went to the archives in Moscow with a goal of trying to figure out what the Soviet people actually thought about all of this, that is, official Soviet pr- propaganda, and also what they thought about the United States of America. I knew, of course, that this would not be easy, as the concept of public opinion as we know it in the West does not really apply to totalitarian and authoritarian states. I did, however, find a lot of sources that allowed me to draw conclusions based on, for example, the fearful reactions of Soviet authorities when they realized that many Soviet people were not willing to accept the United States as enemy number one as the official rhetoric now instructed them to do. It was both a pleasure and a struggle to write this book as it probably is with most books. It is based on a dissertation that was packed with analysis of original sources but I always felt it was very disjointed As dissertations often are filled with new information but not the most coherent pieces of writing. I had to come up with a whole new narrative for the actual book which led me to the current structure that brings to the forefront the two dominant official narratives about the United States of America in the late Stalin period and the early Khrushchev period. That is the focus on anti-Americanism in the post-war Stalin era and then Khrushchev's policy of peaceful coexistence. These narratives were both organized from the top down and they both relied on previous images and experiences of America and Americans. The most urgent experience was, of course, the recent alliance during the Second World War or the Great Patriotic War, as it is called in Russia, which led me to one of the main points I make in the book and that is the importance of the wartime alliance at pretty much all societal levels in the Soviet Union. The memory of the wartime alliance was silenced under Stalin and then celebrated under Khrushchev. And both of these strategies had an enormous effect on Soviet citizens who sometimes reacted with defiance under Stalin and compliance under Khrushchev. So the war as such played a very important part in Soviet life, and the wartime alliance played a significant role in the way enemy number one, the United States of America, was perceived, and that uh, continues pretty much until today, as I show in the epilogue of the book. The other main conclusion of the study is that my research shows very clearly the chaos and complacency that ruled the Soviet cultural administration in this period. During the Cold War, the US had dubbed the Soviet Union as the propaganda state, but my research actually shows that on the inside, Soviet cultural bureaucrats and delegates were struggling. They realized their knowledge of the enemy was outdated, but they had neither the means nor the methods to update their propaganda mission as the time went by. So enemy number one walks the line between two distinct historiographical schools, and I'm already sensing that these two different audiences take different things away from the study. For historians of the Soviet Union, Enemy number 1 organizes post-war perceptions of the United States of America according to these two top-down narratives, anti-Americanism and peaceful coexistence. The top-down narratives frame the coverage of production and circulation of the propaganda, and I go as far as I deem possible in looking at the actual reception of the same propaganda as well. So the lengths the authorities went through to jam and prosecute and imprison people who were interested in the United States of America are indicative of the fears and the anxiety that were underlying all Soviet actions at this time. I think especially details about the anti-American campaign in the arts add a new dimension for Soviet historians to think about the larger anti-cosmopolitan campaign under Stalin as one example. For Cold War historians, I think the biggest takeaway is the overall story about the inside working of the Soviet propaganda machine during the Cold War. As I said earlier, the narrative about the Soviet-American cultural Cold War has mostly been told from the American perspective, often with American diplomats estimating the impact of their mission in the Soviet Union, But this is one of the very first studies that analyzes the Soviet propaganda mission from the inside and shows how it dealt with alternative sources of information and how the Kremlin attempted to control undesired Soviet interest in the United States.